For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. This is the Kingdom of Pod. Jeff Caves here in Flower Mound, Texas. Coming up, no bowl, nobody cares. Why? Boise State may have canceled the Barstool Sports Bowl. And also, why the Big 12 chase may have put Boise State in Arizona to begin with. I went to three bowls. What did I learn here in Dallas-Fort Worth and why they were all winners? The Boise State quarterback situation and do college football players really not love football? All right, here we are, the first show of 2022. I've been uh, putting off doing a show, sort of collecting topics as they become interesting to me and then hopefully uh, to you, and that's how I perceive this. I'm not just going to fill airtime. It's been a nice, I guess, uh, change of pace for, for me to uh, look at something like Boise State football as a subject that I can uh, give you my thoughts on one time and let you listen to it whenever you want and not have to perhaps recycle them uh, over a three-hour period, over a 15-hour uh, week in sports talk radio. So I appreciate if you've been on this ride in 2021 and you continue into 2022. By the way, it's back and better than ever, a new web interface for the rest of this NBA season and a lot more props, odds, and lines than ever before. I'm talking about Bet Online. It's still the number one spot for all the basketball and football action. If you want to go and do some betting, it's new, it's updated. They have a desktop or mobile website that you can sign up for today and get your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Use the promo code. Easiest way to go, Believe50. That's B-L-E-A-V 50 to receive your bonus. That's Bet Online. This is the Believe Podcast Network, the Kingdom of Pod, a weekly look or as news dictates into Boise State football, no bowl, nobody cares. Um, <clears throat> the lack of another bowl game for Boise State, uh, I think, has been a mixed reaction. If you monitor social media and postings at different websites from fans and uh, look at what is reported on Boise State football, um, you know, I, I haven't seen anything from Coach Avalos. I think he's been uh, getting together with coaches, recruiting, and doing a lot of other things, but. 
Here's my perception on uh, what's happening here. First of all, the game has changed dramatically from those of us who report on it and follow it uh, or even played it. And we have to understand the differences and where it's at today. And the coaches who are involved in it have to do the same thing as well. I think that's why it is a good idea to have a well-balanced coaching staff of younger uh, coaches around the program so that they can relate to the kids on what they're going through and not have everything go through the eyes of, say, a 60-year-old coach. I think it's really important. And if you look at how the schedule for a college football player at Boise State is loaded up now, uh, they need some breaks. In fact, uh, the coaches uh, felt that the Boise State team uh, needed to go home for Christmas. So despite the fact that they technically should have been there in Arizona on Monday of last week, uh, they were going to let them come in on Tuesday and they sent them home for three days for Christmas. Now, that's a paid vacation, per se. Uh, it's not inexpensive for the program to foot that kind of bill, but it's one of the ways they like to treat people, and I think that's the way a lot of players like to be treated, and it is a nice recruiting piece when they tell kids and parents that that's how things will happen at Boise State should they get a bowl game opportunity that's in and around the uh, Christmas holiday. So uh, that's important. I think players today uh, do recognize in their own minds that they need breaks away from film or practice, <clears throat> off the field stuff, even social media that reminds them of football, all of those things. Things have accelerated uh, dramatically and it's very time consuming uh, for players and I think they uh, understand it. And so, you know, they, they look at, all right, what should we do here? We've got an Arizona Bowl, we've got a COVID outbreak, and should it be family and friends at Christmas or should they stay in Boise and then we'll leave for Arizona? So they decided to let the kids go and that's the way it worked out. You know, uh, I think at the uh, end of the day, <clears throat> the coaches had to convince the players to get excited to play a Central Michigan football team. I think the coaches had to convince the players to get excited to go to Tucson, Arizona. Um, I think that the kids didn't even realize perhaps that there would have been a lot of fans at that game because that bowl, for whatever reason, has drawn quite well in the 30,000s. And if anything, uh, I'm sure people over 45 years old, if they were aware of Barstool Sports, weren't excited about that sponsorship. If they weren't aware, they had no uh, feeling towards it. If they were a football player or younger, they got excited. And if, if more than anything else, I think the players may have been excited about identifying and understanding more about uh, all of it. So last year, you know, why did the players not want to play? Well, uh, you have to, to, to get into their shoes, and they were going through tons of COVID testing. They had to wear masks everywhere they went. Uh, they were having no fun. They were getting tested and told they were sick. Their friends were getting sick. Their family at home was sick. They were going to go to football games where there were no fans. They had just come through a bunch of games with no fans. Players don't play football in front of no fans. That's not what they want to do. That's called practice. So all of those things added up to the 2020 player of saying, I just don't want to play. And this was you know, a, a little different situation and they didn't have a great opponent. It wasn't a great bowl. 
but the COVID testing and all that stuff was was going to continue. So, you know, I think this year the kids' reward and some on some level was a free trip home for Christmas and then back. But you know, once they're back, I don't think they were going to go home again. So there's a lot of moving parts here that you have to be probably a you know 17 to 22 year old kid to understand uh, the most. It doesn't mean I don't see the other side of the coin about working hard and not worrying about all that. And it's a one-off if you don't go to home for Christmas one year and all, all of that. You know, I just think that it's too easy for us to sit here and make these kinds of judgments. It's fun. It, it's, it's fine. It's why we follow sports, perhaps, to have this <clears throat> sort of experience and judging other people's lives and how they do it and, 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 and just kind of live through them. Uh, but I don't know ultimately uh, how much the school can talk about it publicly. They've been very quiet. Uh, that should tell you a lot, what they don't say. They don't want to touch it. They don't want to touch Barstool Sports. They don't want to talk about COVID. There's so many factors that really prevent them in their own head from wanting to talk that it leaves everybody else with their own thoughts and, and feelings to to process per se. So I don't think there was a lot of people that were too worried about not playing a bowl game in Tucson uh, against Central Michigan. And is that bad for the program? <clears throat> well, uh, having one bowl experience in four years isn't great for Boise State football. And that was not a great experience because it was the Chris Peterson show in Las Vegas. All right. How in the world did they end up here anyway? Why did Boise State get stuck with the Barstool Sports Arizona Bowl? I think this. Boise State was in a situation where they had an entirely new administration. And Jeremiah Dickey was a new athletic director to Boise State. He'd been around intercollegiate athletics. It's not like he was ignorant to the process of how an athletic department operated. But if you go back at the time where you know, Barstool Sports was named the title sponsor of the Arizona Bowl. And then uh, things blew up for, you know, Barstool uh, when all the Portnoy issues happened with the young girls and the accusations and the truth or untruth of any of that, just the bad publicity of all of that. Somebody like Wicker, the athletic director at San Diego State, who may or may not have been worried about <clears throat> hiring an entirely new athletic department, I don't think he was. He'd been there a few years. He had time to lob out a few bombs saying, hey, my staff is dead set against not playing in this Barstool Sports Bowl. Now, I'm not saying we'll boycott it, but they are telling me they want nothing to do with it. Well, that worked. That probably worked, and Barstool didn't want to pick him. So when it came time for the Arizona Bowl to select which team out of the Mountain West they wanted, they probably shot away from uh, San Diego State because of that. Now, you know, could Dickey have done very similar things? Yes, if he wasn't interviewing, hiring, restructuring his department, uh, you know, putting up photographs on the wall, figuring out where he's going to go get money. Totally different situation. Not blame. This, to me, is an explanation of a, a first-time AD in a very volatile situation with COVID, new boosters, financial challenges, uh, a new football coaching staff and an entirely new athletic department that he's trying to organize. And at the same time, 
He's got questions and comments on an ongoing basis from his administrative staff. That's why you don't want these kinds of turnovers too often. That's not what you want if you're running a business or an athletic department. So the Mountain West Conference relationship that that he inherited <laughs> leaked emails, you know, calling out poor leadership and terrible conference. We need to get the hell out of here. Uh, the courting of the Big 12, very public, uh, or leaving to the American Athletic Conference, very public. Uh, the squabble, the bitching, the moaning, the finger pointing over the television money in the conference. And then the the final straw, Dr. Trump and Kurt Absey and the lawyers at Boise State suing the Mountain West Conference over the TV deal and wanting to put under oath the commissioner, Craig Thompson, to tell anybody and everybody that what he said to them behind closed doors is what goes, and nobody would like that result if you were Craig Thompson or the Mountain West Conference. So not a lot of love lost. He knows they want to leave. He knows there's a possibility of it. So how far out of his way is he going to go uh, to not putting Boise State in the Arizona Bowl? And then you have Dickey coming in. and How much attention is he going to pay to posturing publicly on whether or not Boise State should get into the Barstool Sports Bowl when he's thinking, hey, we should be getting into a New Year's uh, Day Bowl. (laughs) He's not thinking that far down the line. And I'm not saying he should have. I'm just trying to describe the atmosphere that I think they were working in. All right, the atmosphere that I've been in when I'm not doing the Kingdom of Pod Uh, I went to bowl games in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. The Frisco Bowl, the Armed Forces Bowl, and the First Responders Bowl are played thanks to Tropical Smoothie, thanks to Lockheed Martin, and thanks to SurfPro, these games are played, and ESPN, who owns and operates these three bowl games. I went to all three games. I've done some sponsorship work for the First Responder Bowl, and they were great matchups, all three of them. Great atmospheres, all three of them. I was shocked at uh, at least uh, one or two of them. I didn't know what to expect at the Frisco Bowl, played at the Toyota Stadium, a soccer stadium, but it was the perfect size. I think everybody's seen the FCS National Championship games. They had great opponents with great records in Texas, San Antonio, and San Diego State. And it was a night game before Christmas. Uh, but I think where they really got uh, lucky is they had a lot of people from San Antonio that wanted to support their team, and they came. It was an unbelievably festive, energetic, important atmosphere, and I think that's what you want in these games. The pomp and circumstances of the Armed Forces Bowl, the beauty of TCU Stadium, uh, the Missouri football team bringing alums in and around the Dallas-Fort Worth area, you know, the Army with, with all the other pomp and circumstance that, that comes with that, that 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 was a no-brainer. That bowl game gets 35,000, 40,000 people falling out of bed. So that was a great experience. Now, the first responders bowl is played at SMU Stadium, and it's a 32,000-seat stadium. Boise State's played there. I, I'd been there before. And they got Air Force and a Power 5 team in Louisville. So I went to that game. Now, it was half empty or half filled. But when you have somebody in every other seat and it's only 32,000 seats, it doesn't look that bad. And I I didn't know what to expect. And then the the teams and the players really sold out. It was a great game. And the the police, fire, emergency uh, um, 
community. They showed up everywhere. So that was a tremendous cause-related thing that you could see was all over that stadium. And they got a great weather day. And on top of all of that, I looked at the TV ratings for the Frisco Bowl, the Armed Forces Bowl, and the First Responder Bowl. And unless I looked at it wrong, the First Responder Bowl had the most TV ratings of those three. And it was after, uh, you know, uh, it was a daytime game. Uh, had a lot of things not working for it per se after Christmas, and it worked out. So, uh, congratulations to uh, Brant Ringler and the rest of the crew for pulling all of that together. Let's get on to the Boise State football situation a little, uh, a little more. Where are we at with the quarterbacks? Hank Bachmeyer and Jalen Green, and then nothing. Nobody with any experience. True freshman, really not much to even talk about yet. We don't even know enough about Jalen Green, do we? Do we really? I mean, so Green and Bachmar are really what we have here. And I was just thinking back how shocked we all were when, you know, Brett Rippon was there and Rip was pretty good. Now he'd struggled a little bit, of course, but he was still pretty darn good. And all of a sudden, uh, you see Montel Cosart coming in from Kansas. And we all went, well, why would you need him? He's an experienced transfer kid. He was here for one season, the 2017 season, a magical year, and he saved the show. Comes in from Kansas. Uh, he's there for Rip's junior year. He does great. Well, that formula worked so well. Harson and uh, group said, let's do it again. They went out and got Jalen Henderson. So Jalen Henderson's there for Rip's senior year. He doesn't play that much, really. And then he's there for Hank's freshman season. We all know what you know, happened at the Las Vegas Bowl. Some think he should have played the game and, and all of that. So a lot of interesting quarterback situations with Brett Rippon moving forward, and I was interested in, like, so here was the Harson staff with Brett Rippon. And, you know, here's Rip, and I compared, I looked at and said, all right, well, how, how have, as a quarterback, how is Rippon against um, Bachmeyer? Now, there's some differences because, you know, Rip didn't have to deal with COVID and, and all the things that happened last year and the lack of bowl games as well. So that will hurt statistics. But what I'm getting at is the moves that Harson and company made were to strengthen the quarterback position because they didn't think Rip was enough, either through injury concerns or just sometimes he wasn't at his best and they wanted somebody else that could run the football and present a threat to the defense. So they made some moves. And they got experienced people in the program, even sat on a Hank Bachmeyer and let him play as a young guy that they thought would improve the team. So where is this program at right now? Do we still have a transfer quarterback to come? Because when Brett Rippon was here, I looked after three seasons, Rippon hit 63% of his passes. Um, he'd thrown for almost 10,000 yards, 60 touchdowns, 22 picks. I mean, uh, Rip had some pretty impressive statistics. Comparing him to Hank, you know, Hank has 35 touchdowns and 16 picks over three seasons. They completed about the same uh, in terms of percentages at about 62%. And, uh, you know, Hank's only thrown for 6,100 yards. I think he's missed more games from injury uh, than Rip. But just look at the one statistic. After three seasons, Rippon had thrown 60 touchdown passes. They still... We're messing around with who was going to play quarterback at Boise State. So Hank Bachmeyer is a great kid. Has nothing to do with this. It's what's best for the team. Andy knows this. 
are they still in the market for a transfer quarterback? I think so. I, I don't know that they're just going to go all in and say, all right, green's our, our option too. If they do do that, then they know a lot more than we do because they're watching green develop. They're seeing him in practice and they think he's ready. That will be pretty interesting to watch. All right, quickly, this came down uh, just yesterday. I'm taping this on uh, Sunday, uh, the 2nd of January. And I think we all now, by now, may have either seen the clip of Kirk Herbstreet from ESPN and Desmond, and Desmond Howard and the rest of them talking about opt-outs for bowl games and kids who don't want to play and uh, skip a bowl game. And, and part of the conversation is about they don't love football. That's why they, they're, they're not playing. And, you know, the, the, the money is what's doing all of this. And uh, Herb Street went on to you know, basically say that in, in no uncertain terms that kids today uh, don't love football as much. And I, I think that uh, he was a bit cranky. And I have studied Herb Street. I, I listen to what he says. I watch how he commentates. I watch how he handles himself uh, in some subtler ways. I just find that interesting. And it my and I've been in his shoes uh, to some degree. Uh, I think he's always taking the coach's side of things. If you really study him, he's always uh, willing and able and conscious of promoting offensive and defensive coordinators and their impacts on games. Why? Those are his sources. <laughs> That's how he knows so much about what's going on. He's got coaches telling him, and then he gives them the favor back by saying that they did a great job and he raises their profile. Uh, that's how he runs his business. It's not bad, not good. That's how he runs his business because he's in a position to do it that way. He's calling the most important football games of the week, typically. So he's also talking to the top 25 football coaches every week, every day, all the time. He's in contact with these guys. And he's if he's doing a game, he's sitting down face-to-face -face going over the whole roster. And if you go back and watch what he said, he talked about that. I sit down with the top coaches. I go through the depth chart, and I notice that coaches say, now this guy's a football player. He just wants to play ball. And so it made Herb Street say that they don't say that about everybody. They don't say that about these other guys. So that must be the way it is. There's not as many kids that just want to play football for the love of it and sell out and not worry about injury and just get out there and, and go crazy and not be so concerned about name, image, and likeness and social media and, and their paydays in the NFL and what their workout guy says versus the strength coach and, and all the other things that can come up. So I believe a couple of things about what Herb Street said. A, understand his approach. He is always going to take coaches' sides. I, throughout my entire career, have typically done the same thing. Coaches who are, are, are the ones I trust the most, uh, they're spending 60, 70 hours a week in the atmosphere that we're all trying to analyze. I've always listened to them. I've always taken their word and looked at I'm sure I've made some mistakes, but on the other hand, I've learned more <clears throat> than I ever could have reading what somebody else writes about what's going on. I, I think that's second, third-hand generation information. So... Herb Street, to me, is repeating what coaches think. And he finally just, the coaches are sick of it too because, you know, they're missing their bonuses. It's hard when you don't, if you're Ohio State, you don't have your two top wide receivers. You know, there's a lot of things that don't look good about this. Your broadcasters 
trying to put a bowl game on and you're saying, well, the important players of the team aren't bothering to play, but we're going to broadcast this goddamn thing anyway. You know, that doesn't look good. So there, there are certainly red flags about what a, a kind of fallout you have when kids are not participating in some bowl games. So let's just say that's where Herb Street's coming from. He's basing it on information from coaches. I think most coaches over a certain age who are would agree with him about this, so they're going to have his back. He's not somebody that really messes around with players too much. He, he doesn't. When I say mess around, I mean interview, get a lot of insight from. That's not his role. He's 52 years old by now, and his role is to interview coaches to know what's going on, tell you what's going on during the game, and he's, he's, he's not going to be running around interviewing 18 to 22-year-olds to find out what they think about things they're just learning about in their life. It's not his role, and he doesn't want it to be. And I don't think anybody did. I know at, at some point in time, I just thought kids should be kids, and the way they're robotically taught to go through interviews is a difficult process to begin with for everybody that has to get involved with it. So Herb Street stays with the coaches. He finds it more intellectually satisfying, I bet, and it helps his job 100% better because the kids won't tell him anything. That's not how it works. So the, the, all of those reasons to me led to Herb Street D saying what he said. Coaches believe it. He might, you might as well have just said, coaches of today's college football don't think players love football enough. Could, you could have added that statement, in my opinion. I think the argument that he and Desmond got into about bowl games being a special thing that kids should want to play into uh, because it's a great opportunity. And then he compared what he and Howard went through as players, um, you know, back in the late 80s, early 90s. And if you compare the number of people who uh, teams, schools who are involved in bowl games back in the late 80s and early 90s to 2021, it's double. It's, it's more than double. And has it watered down? Uh, does the first responder bowl or armed forces bowl or Frisco bowl or Gasparilla bowl or whatever one you want to name, has it watered down the number of people involved? Yes, of course. Just think back if you're in your 50s. Do you want to watch the cartoons on Saturday morning? Yes. Did you give a rip about what cartoon it was? To some degree, as long as there was a better one on another station. But if you were stuck with your finger in your nose and you're 10 or 12 years old and you had to watch the Jetsons and you didn't really like them that much, but it was either the Jetsons or some Lone Ranger Western or some nonsense religious program on some other station and you're 12 years old, you're going to watch the Jetsons. You know, just, you're just going to go with it. You didn't have any choices. Now, <laughs> there's Cartoon Networks 24-7. Kids have choices. Bowl games gave kids choices. And there's so many bowl games, you have better, okay, and worse. And the kids know it. So when they get sent to a bowl destination, they know the work that's going to go into it. They know they're going to get 15 extra practices, 15 extra film sessions, extra tutoring. They know everything that's coming with that. And then you added in COVID, they were going to get 15 more deals to uh, maskings to deal with and isolations and quarantines and testing and just go down the list. So things have changed and it doesn't mean as much if, if you're a seven and six team uh, and, and you're comparing, 
you know that experience to a, a team that's went nine and three or or ten and two or, or or whatever and get a chance to play in a bowl game because you earned it when you look back as that nine and three ten and two team and say well hell they're letting in teams that are six and six so this whole idea that it's such a great thing to make a bowl well it's really more like it's a it's it's mandatory to make a bowl. If you you don't want to be in the low, one third or lower part of college football that doesn't get into a bowl game, uh, whether it be right or wrong. You know, uh, I wasn't overly excited when I graduated high school. I always thought, well, hell, I should at least graduate high school, shouldn't I? <laughs> but that's that's dysfunctional thinking. But I think players really understand all of this. Uh, Some of them don't want to go to bowl games where there's no fans or cold weather or area that's not too exciting. It's just changed because the proliferation of choice has changed everything. All of us, all the time. They don't have just one option. They have several thousand options, it feels like. So anyway, uh, I wouldn't uh, persecute Herb Street. I put some things out on my Twitter account. I hope you uh, take a look at it. That's the Kingdom of Pod, a look at Boise State football this week. You can subscribe to it. You can read it, review it, rate it, pass it along to friends. I'll send you an email with the podcast. Every time I record one in it, just go to the Kingdom of Pod online. Look, Search Jeff Caves, Kingdom of Pod, and you'll find all of it. Appreciate you listening. I'll talk to you next time. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.